Good morning, guys. It's great to have you guys join us on our online broadcast once again. And we just encourage you guys to get your pen and your paper and your Bible as we just share the Word of God with you guys this morning. And we just trust that you guys are well, you guys are safe, you guys are in good health. And more than anything, I really trust that you're walking in the faith and the blessings and in the love and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But before we get started this morning, can we just open up in prayer? Father, I want to thank you for this time. Father, I don't know where we would be without you in this time, in this crisis that we face right now. But Father, I take strength in your word every single day, Father, it says that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And so I want to thank you for your word that brings life this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would come. I pray that you would manifest in every home, in every life this morning, that you would take this word and add it to our hearts. And as you add the word to our hearts, Father, may we move in the calling and the purpose and the plan that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it feels like an eternity that we've been doing online and I'm sitting recording here this morning again and you're sitting in your lounge or in your, your bed with your cup of coffee, uh, which has become the norm right now um, in society and in church life. But now we trust that things are going to turn around soon and that God's really going to do something extraordinary, just not in borders, but in South Africa, but to the face of the earth in the season that we're in right now. And I want to encourage you guys to, to keep on keeping on, and keep on being strong, keep on just trusting God for the impossible in your life. And I've entitled my message this morning, the power of a promise, or the power in a promise. And I want to share a little bit where we are in our journey with you this morning. I think many of us become very comfortable in our circumstances right now, we become comfortable in what we do and, and how we go about life in general. But I must be honest with you guys this morning, the last two weeks I found it extremely challenging, extremely challenging in the fact that uh, we don't know how long this thing's going to carry on for. We, we see the infection rate in South, in South Africa, especially Eastern Cape, um, just going through the roof. And uh, with that, it's just, we still have a normal day, stress, stress of family and finances and business and all these kinds of things to worry about. It's almost like this has just been added to the top of the pile, as, as to the top of the pile. I think many people are feeling very despondent right now. I think a lot of people are just not understanding the season they're in right now, not understanding what God is doing, why hasn't God come through, why hasn't God, God taken this, this uh, pandemic off the face of the earth, why are loved ones dying? And then there's hundreds and thousands of questions that are going out there right now. But I must be honest with you, the last two weeks I probably felt more despondent than I have in a long time. I think I've enjoyed the fact that, that church has opened and uh, we get to see people face to face. And I think that's been the really encouraging part in my life. But I find myself really struggling to come out of two services, um, ministering to people and all of a sudden come back and sit in front of a camera. And I'll tell you something, last week I tried to record a message and I tried probably three or four times and I just couldn't get the message right. And eventually Kathy ministered on Sunday for us and you know the challenge we had with that, Wednesday, Sunday with Kathy and Wednesday. Our sound was just horrible, our cameras, I don't know what they did. I think we just pushed the wrong button somewhere on these, on these, on these fancy cameras and nothing worked out for us. Um, and this week again, you know, we're really just trusting God for a word and, and I believe God gave me a word. Well, I believe that God gave me a word on Monday and Tuesday. I, I prepared the word Wednesday. Uh, I just tried to record again and I really struggled to record the word and I eventually just gave up and I walked out of the room. and. And Thursday, I tried to record this message again. After about seven or eight attempts, I just uh, went back to the room. I said, Shani, Shani, I can't do this. I, I'm struggling. I can't just 
bring a word for the sake of bringing a word, but there was something that wasn't sitting well in me, and it was that, Kurt, is this a now word, or is this a me word? And Friday morning, I had to really sit down and, and, and really seek God's face, say, God, you know what is going on here? Why am I struggling away? Why can't I get a word that's in season? And God clearly spoke to me and said to me, Kurt, this was a you word that I'd given you. The word that you were going to preach wasn't for anybody else, but the word that I gave you was for you. And it was the word of Abraham, and I'll share a bit later on that. And so I found myself Friday morning um, starting to panic a little bit. I've got to record this message. I've got to get it out. I've got to get it to people out there um, and the media team, and they've got to prepare it. And uh, it just nothing seemed to just fall into place for me. And uh, there's only one thing that I had to do, and I knew that, and it was get back in the presence of God. And I did, and I just fell back at the feet of Jesus, and I said, God, you know, what is it that you want to say? What is it that you want to speak about? And I just felt God say to me in that season, Kurt, there's so many people that are feeling the same way that you're feeling. So many people are despondent right now. So many people's marriages are in chaos. So many people don't know where their finances come from, how they're going to pay the staff, or their business is going to open. And I think we've got a feeling of being extremely overwhelmed and weary right now in this time. But God took me to John chapter 4, and, and I want you to turn there with me this morning. And John chapter 4, we all know the story, and I've preached it a couple of times, but I just want to pick up on one or two things this morning as I share this. And, and this is the story of the, the, the woman, the Samaritan woman that Jesus meets at the well. And it's quite an interesting story. And I want to read it out of the, 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 the TPT version this morning. And I want you to follow with me. But I'm going to read it to you and then I'm just going to break up some little things and then allow God to speak into our lives. But it starts in verse 1 like this. And as soon as the news reached the Jews, uh, sorry, soon the news reached the Jewish le religious leaders known as the Pharisees, that Jesus was drawing greater crowds of followers coming to be baptized than John. Um, although Jesus did not baptize, he had his disciples baptize the people. And Jesus heard what was being said and abruptly left Judea and returned to the province of Galilee. And he had to pass, and I love that word, had to pass through Samaritan territory. Jesus arrived at some Samaritan village called Shia, near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph long ago. Wearied by his long journey, and I want to make a note that, wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well, and he sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. And soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Jesus replied, if he knew who I am and the gift that God had given, uh, wants to give you, he would ask for a drink and I would give it to you in rivers of living water. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket, that the well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than ancestor Jacob, who dug this one and drank from it himself, along with his children and livestock? And Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you will be thirsty again and again. But if, you, if anyone drinks from the living waters I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when they drink the water I give it, give it, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with eternal life. And the woman replied, Let me drink that water, that I'll never be thirsty again, and won't have to come back to draw water. Yeah. Jesus replied, Go get your husband and bring him to me. But I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said, for you have been married five times, and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. The woman said, You must be a prophet. So tell me, why do our fathers worship here on this nearby mountain, but your people teach at Jerusalem, is the place where we must worship, which is right. And Jesus responded, Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you will worship the Father on this nor on this mountain, nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your, your people don't really know the one they worship. 
We Jews worship out of experience, for it is from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, worshipping the Father will not be a matter of right place, but the right heart. For God is spirit, and in Him longs to have sincere worship as we worship Him and adore Him in the realm of spirit and in truth. And it's an incredible passage, and I know we've all listened to it before, but I want to break up just a few points here this morning in, in what it is that I want to share with you. And, and, and why I want to share this with you is because of that first verse, or the second verse, where it says, And Jesus weary from His travels. And I, and I love picking up that that verse, because I think for me, I needed to hear that verse this morning. The fact that even Jesus became weary. Even Jesus got to a place where he got tired. Even Jesus got to a place where he had to take a minute just to rest and to slow down and just let his disciples go on into the town. He said to them, go buy food, you go sort yourselves out, but I'm going to rest here by myself for a bit. And especially for someone that is busy and someone that is um, OCD at times and someone that just wants everything in order, the most difficult thing for us to do is actually to take time alone. To take time to find God. To take time to get out of our busy schedules and our busy lives and, and what it is that is going on around us and simply find ourselves at the feet of Jesus. Like I said to this these last two weeks, I found myself incredibly busy, incredibly just running around work on work on work. We're still doing counseling, we're still doing our marriages, we're still doing um, normal church life, we're still paying bill bills and and bonds and salaries and all this kind of stuff and it just got COVID added another pile onto the existing pile that there was and I was wondering at one stage good are you are you gonna are you gonna manage will will this be the end of you or are you gonna come out better in the season and just as I read that passage where it simply said that Jesus weary from his journey weary from where he had come and I think many of you today are weary from where you have come weary 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 in the sense of, of what you've been through, what you've had to face, what you've had to endure. And uh, I was just sitting on my bed this morning just thinking about the journey that we've been on. And it's been an incredible couple of months. It, it feels like it happened a few weeks ago. But when we looked down the road already and we realized it's been four months since we've been in this pandemic, four months since we've been in this isolation, four months where you know we've had to be online and not connect with people, not connect with family, not connect with friends. Um, it's an incredible thing that we've pulled through the way we have, but not everyone has made it. Not everyone is feeling great. Not everyone is getting HAPPY all the time. And I, I'm sharing this with you this morning because I want to say to you, it's okay, it's okay to grow weary at times. It's okay to get tired from where you are because I believe that those tiring and weary moments in lives where God allows us to push the pause button in a sense and just to reflect again, just find out, God, what is it that you want from me? What is it that you want to do in my life? The, the crazy thing about the scripture, and I read it out the TPT version, um, and the scripture says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And the fact is that the Jewish people never ever went through Samaria. The Jewish people would actually travel another three days extra to go around the town of Samaria to get to their destination. And so I was quite intrigued when the, when the scripture said that, that he had to go to Samaria. It's like Jesus had some kind of objective in what it is that he had to do. And, and in that objective of what he had to do, he also knew that he had to have time where there was a divine meeting with God, but just not with God, that he had to release something to somebody that would change their lives forever. And as I sat on my bed this morning, I said, Father, I think that is where I want to be right now in my life. I don't want to get caught up in all the craziness. I don't want to get caught up in all what's happening around the world in me right now. I have to discover the purpose that you have made me for, for this season. 
because I'm no mistake, I am really born at the perfect time, but I would be on the face of this earth during this pandemic for a reason, for a purpose. And when we lose focus on our purpose, when we lose focus on the plans, the purpose that God has for us, when we lose focus on what is our calling and, and why are we here, the world does seem overwhelming. So many of us have gone through conspiracy theories and we've got all these millions of ideas running through our heads and government saying some stuff and not happy with this and not happy with that. And I almost found that we become so distracted from the will and the purpose and the plan of God for our life. So distracted from time of intimacy with God. So distracted from just sitting on our bed, just sitting on the side of the well as it would be like Jesus did. And just to take a breather and to refocus again. And I think many of us need to refocus again. Uh, with all these cameras and all the technology we've got these days, um, I just realized that every time we record, there's one thing that I have to do right every single time, and it's just to make sure that the camera's focused. If the camera's not focused, you get a blurry thing, you don't see who's in front of you, you, you can hear what they're saying, but you don't know who it is, it's just like one blob. And I think often in life, it's like that, is that we become out of focus. And when we become out of focus, we don't always understand, or we can't always see what is it that God has in front of us, or what God wants to do in our lives, or what God wants to do through us. And many of us need to realize, just like Jesus and his walk, that he wasn't yet to change the world. Jesus was yet to change individuals that would change the world. And Jesus never made this about him. And often we do. We make this about us. We make this about our journey, about our problems about the hardship that we're going through, um, about the crisis that we have to face. And forget the fact that Jeremiah 29, 11 still says that God has a purpose and a plan for us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. That He knows the purpose that we were born for. He knows the calling of God upon my life. And, and you sitting there this morning, you might be despondent, you might be dejected, you might feel like a rotten scoundrel this morning, you might feel like you failed your family or um, you're not going to make it to the end of the month of your finances, whatever it might be. But I want to say to you firstly this morning, take time. Take time just to sit, to separate yourself from the craziness out there. Take time to switch off your mind. Take time to stop thinking about everything that is happening in the world around us. And just take a moment and say, Father, here I am. I'm overwhelmed right now. I'm weary from my journey and I need a break. And not just a break in the sense from everything, but I need to step out of what the world has and again step into the promises and the purposes and the plans that you have for me. Uh, as we read through the scripture, I just want to touch on a couple more things. But um, one of the greatest things that, that Jesus starts to speak to, his, to this woman about, and the first thing he does is when he sits down there and she said, he turns around and he says to her, could you please give me a drink of water? And her first response is, well, you being a Jew, why would you ask me as a Samaritan woman for a drink? In a sense, I think for she was being sarcastic because the Jewish people, as she carries on, wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans. They were, they were, they were a people unto themselves um, and, and almost they rejected the Samaritan um, belief system because the Samaritans just didn't worship the way that the Jewish people were worshipping at the time. And so you've got to understand something, that this woman came to the well, the Word of God says in the sixth hour, it says at noon, so 12 o'clock during the daytime. And I mention this because I just, I finished watching the season Chosen and, and the very last season, they deal with the woman with the, at the well. And, and I never thought about this before, but she came to draw water at noonday. 
That means that 12 o'clock, the hottest time of the day. If, you, if you've been in Jerusalem and you've been in the area, you know it's the hottest time of the day, 12 o'clock. And here we find this woman by herself. Now, in those days, you've got to remember the women used to gather together every morning, the coolest time of the day or late in the afternoon. And they would go in big groups and gather water and draw well. But this woman was all by herself. She had been totally isolated. She had been totally rejected by the community. Um, she was not part of any uh, women's club or book club or Bible study club. She went that time of the day because she was so tired of the ridicule of what was happening in her life. And often I, I think we become like that, that we start to isolate ourselves from everybody because of our past. Now you can understand something, that every single one of us have a past. And you can understand something else, that Jesus knows your past. Even with the Samaritan woman, when she rocked the bench, do you ask her for a drink of water and all these kinds of things? And the first thing she said was, but you being a Jew, why would you want, why must I help you in a sense? Why must I be there for you? And I find often we like this as Christians, that we only want to help those that are easy to help, or those that we want to love, or those that are easy to love, or those that are easy to help. But we shy away from the difficult times. We shy away from those people that, that, that don't know Jesus. We shy away from those that, that don't know how to receive, that don't know how to say thank you, that are rude and obnoxious. And yet, God called us to each and every one of these people in our lives. And so as we grow weary, and as I grew weary in this last week, I just realized something, that all the enemy did was absolutely distract me from the purpose and the plan that God had for my life. I had a lot of hard conversations over the last two weeks. I've had a lot of emotional conversations over the last two weeks. I've had to face up to a lot of um, some criticism during this week. And it almost knocked me off, in a sense, the path that I was journeying. That all of a sudden, everything that happened in my life just threw me off that I, you know, veered off completely from the purpose and the plan that God had for my life. That I just went in the opposite direction because I allowed the voice of others to influence my life. And I think many of you right now, there's so many voices in the media, there's so many voices of people speaking, there's so much happening on social media, on, on Facebook, that's distracting you from His voice. Because there's just so many voices gaining in your head right now. And I know we fought months into this epidemic, but I want to encourage you today, guys, that we started so well. We started this epidemic so well. We were charged up, we were fired up, we were in the Word of God, we were listening online, we were waking up 9 o'clock on the Sunday morning, we were clicking onto online church, we were there for each other, we were supporting each other. And as the pandemic stretched itself out, I found less and less people signing on. I found less and less people reading the Word of God. I found less and less people spending time in the Word of God. And I saw more chaos hit the church than ever before. I saw marriages falling apart and, and arguments and, 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 and groups fighting with each other and community groups fighting with each other. And even on the private, not even the church, but the private you know, um, suburb groups, community groups started going at each other. And I thought, wow, we started so well, but there's been so much noise. There's been so much chaos around us that we've been distracted from the very purpose and the plan that God gave us a pause for in the first place. Because I really believe this pandemic that you and I are going through right now has been a real pause in our lives. It's been a real pause in our lives just to, to almost assess our lives. Like, where are we? What is it that we're going through? Uh, what is it that we're going to journey? What are we going to do? Um, what does this future look like? How are we going to go forward? And I've got to say this to you, that the closer we stick to Jesus, the louder we hear his voice. I'm going to say that again. The closer we stick to Jesus, the louder we hear his voice. You see, the word of God says that every promise that he has given us is yes and amen. 
And that simply means the simple thing that if God has promised us, that God is God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You'll never need or lack. Then we've got to trust God for that promise. Because in that promise holds everything that God desires. But how many of you have had a prophetic word from God? How many of you have had a promise from God? How many of you have received the word from God and you've forgotten about it completely? Because you know what? It just didn't go the way it should have gone. Or 2020 just messed up my prophetic word. Or uh, I don't know where God is taking me anymore. And we start to doubt the very words that God gave us. The very words that God spoke into our lives. I was reminded of, of Abraham this week, you know. That at the age of 75, God says to him, you're going to be the father of many nations. At the age of 86 and he said 11 years later, his wife, because he's so tired of hearing that this old man is now going to be the father of many nations. And eventually she takes a maidservant, gives it to Abraham and says, listen, I can't do this. Son. My womb is finished. It's barren. It's not going to happen. You know, and Abraham goes and sleeps with the maidservant as a son. And, and the word of God rebukes him straight away and says, listen, but Ishmael is not the promise that I have given you. Because so often we want to grab something that seems close and quick. We want a quick fix to certain stuff. We want a quick fix to the promise of God upon our lives. We don't want to wait for 20 years. We don't want to wait for 10 years. We don't want to wait, I don't know how long, for a promise. When I was 13 years old, I stood in a very big church in, in Port Elizabeth. At the age of 13, I had youth pastors by the names of Jules and Michelle. Never forget them. And uh, they were just amazing guys. But they prophetically declared over my life. At the age of 13, they said, Kurt, you will pass to church one day. God is according to the purpose upon your life. Now, if you knew at 13, you knew that there was no way that that was from God and that that was going to even be possible because I was going in the absolute opposite direction to what they were telling me that was going to happen in my life. But that promise stuck with me for nearly 20 years. 20 years later, I stepped into the corner of God upon my life. What happened between the age of 13, what happened between the age of 31 was chaos. It was absolute chaos in my life. But God's promise still stands. The word, we sing that song. He's the promise keeper. And, and we've got to believe that God is able to keep every promise that he has given you. That even if he said that he's going to do the impossible in life, then believe him for the impossible. If he said you're not going to leave no lack, then trust him and believe him for this thing. Because this is the season where we need to draw out the promises of God in our lives. We need to speak these things over our lives daily. We cannot grow weary in the season right now. Because we've got to trust God for the impossible in the season. This world has no answers. Medicine has no answers. Governments have no answers. The greatest leaders and the greatest minds in the world right now haven't got an answer for this COVID. But I believe we do. And his name is Jesus. And you might say, but good, why isn't he doing anything right now? Well, I think for me, often I think God just delays certain stuff simply to get us in order. And I said this a few weeks ago. You know, I said, remember, God's delay is not no. Just because God's taken a little bit longer, just because Abraham had to wait 25 years for his son of promise, he never grew weary in doing it and waiting on it. Same with Lazarus, you know. When Jesus eventually rocked up the tomb, the sisters called him and the brothers called him and everyone called him and they said, you know, you've got to come now. Lazarus is dying. Oh, Lazarus is dead. Now a couple days later, Jesus rocks up totally late, totally late. That they even said to him, don't even open the grave because you know what? It stinks inside there. But it's never too late for Jesus. It's never too late for God to do something miraculous in your life and in my life. And we need to come to a place of understanding right now. And even, even the place where Jesus asked us move for a drink and says, but how are you going to drink water? Because you, know, you haven't got a bucket. You, you've got nothing to draw water out of this well. 
Um, and, and Jesus is weary in the one hand. He's waiting for his disciples to bring the food. So he must have been hungry. He hasn't got a bucket to do well. But he asked her. And he said to her, well, tell you what. You know, if you persist me, your life will be changed forever. Sometimes I realized in this week that we just need to be the one that provides the bucket. And God will do the impossible through us. You see, we always want God to do everything for us. We always want God to heal us and set us free and sort out our finances and sort out our marriage and sort out this and sort out this. And yes, He's got the ability. Absolutely, He can do it tomorrow. But sometimes we are holding the answer right in our hands. Sometimes the answer is our bucket. Sometimes the answer is just, you know, God says, Tell you what, why don't you just give me praise in this season? Why don't you just worship me in this season? Instead of being consumed by your problems, be consumed by your marriage, be consumed by your finances, why don't you be the one that lifts up a bucket of praise in a sense, and give me what I desire from you. Because we live in society, we're a kind of people that all we do is we want, we want, we want, we want, we want from God. But very seldom we take time to find out what is it that God desires of me? What is it that God desires in my life? Yes, and yes, you might feel this point say, good, well, I don't feel like you know, reading the Bible at the moment. I don't feel like praying at the moment. I don't feel like doing anything like this at the moment. And I've got to remind you something about this woman at the well. Do you know that this woman at the well and Jesus rightly said, isn't it true that you've been married five times and the man you're living with right now is not even your husband? Five times. Five times she'd been, she'd been married. Now you're going to say, we don't understand the details of it. But I know the Levitical law stated that if a brother died without that woman bearing a child, the brother would automatically have to marry her. So I don't know that five of them were brothers. I don't know, well, six of them were brothers. I, I don't I know why is it. I don't, because a woman in those days was not allowed to apply for divorce. So if she was divorced five times, it must have come from the men in her life. So she must have been through incredibly a lot in life. She must have been totally rejected. Five failed marriages. The sixth one, she's unhappy. She's drawing water out of the well by herself. Why? Because the community hasn't accepted her. Nobody loves her in a sense. She's got to do things by herself. She's probably living like a slave. She's been passed down like a prison from brother to brother, from to husband to husband to husband. Imagine how she felt in that moment. And at her lowest point, probably in her life, Yah rocks up this guy and says, you know what, before you even drink, can you just give me something? I'm not surprised at her reaction. I'm not surprised at her reaction when she turns around. She says, but why must I give you? Because you people don't even love me. You people have no time for us Samaritans. You people have no time for what we're doing in our lives. You've got no time. You don't even believe that we're doing the right thing. Verse 13 says this. And Jesus speaks to this woman. He says to her, If you drink from Jacob's well, you will be thirsty again and again. What is Jesus saying? Jesus says, when you drink from the world, when you drink from experiences, when you, you're only happy when your bank account is full, or you're only happy when, or you only feel fulfilled when your marriage is really great, you, you only feel alive when your kids are obeying, you only feel alive when you got that promotion, or you got that new BMW, or you bought that new fancy house. If, if, you, if that is the thing that fulfills you, Jesus said that you will get hungry and thirsty over and over and over again, because the things of the world cannot satisfy the things of the Spirit. But Jesus occasionally says, but if anyone drinks from the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and be forever satisfied. Imagine that. Coming to a place where we are forever satisfied. That's an incredible word because I don't know about you, but me, I want to be eternally satisfied. 
I want to be happy with my life. It doesn't matter if it's a good day or a bad day. Whether I've got money or whether I haven't got money. Whether I've got a car or I haven't got a money. That to me is a choice. But the choice is that I can only be satisfied in all the adversities that the world throws at me when I'm drinking from Him the living water. Not from Facebook, not from social media, not from some guys preaching, not from online services, not from some Bible study. When I connect with Him, that living water, that flows to me, the Word of God says, the Holy Spirit will cause me fountains of living water in our life. It will spring up. That word at, the, at the end it just says, there will be gushing fountains of Holy Spirit springing up, flooding you with eternal life. The woman replies, let me drink that water so I will never be thirsty again and I won't have to come back and draw again. She said, get, go get your husband and bring him to you. And so Jesus does this whole experience where he says to her, she needs to go fetch her husband and she explains the whole story to him. After Jesus told the story to him, she responds like this. She said, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why do our fathers God worship here, this nearby mountain, but your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship, which is right. And Jesus responded, listen to this. Jesus responded, said, believe me, dear woman. Now this is not, this is, this, 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 this is a statement that Jesus is making that I want you to listen to this morning. Those of you that are weary, those of you who responded, those of you that just feel like giving up and throwing in the towel right now, those of you who don't know where you are with Jesus, listen to these words. She said, this. Jesus said, to believe me, Dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on the mountain, nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Aren't we in that season right now? Because we haven't got a mountain to go worship on. We haven't even got a church building to go worship in. And Jesus said that time is coming. And this is 2,000 years ago, Jesus speaking to a desperate woman at a well. And he says, you know, the time is coming. The time is coming where we're no longer going to be able to worship in the church building. We're not going to be able to worship on the mountain. We're not going to be able to go to our holy places or our godly places because the world has, has, has got it in their minds that the building, the church building is the only place where we can worship. That's the holy place. I've seen people walk into a church building and, and actually just shout at someone and say, you know what, you need to have reverence for the house of God. You can't act like this. It's not the building that's the house of God. We are the house of God. It doesn't matter how you act inside the four walls as long as you act the same outside those four walls. And we need to get that into our heads in the morning church. That God is the God of the impossible. He will do what He needs to do. He occasionally says, From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but it will be with the right heart. For God is spirit and He longs to have sincere worshipers who worship Him and adore Him in the realm of the Spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. The most incredible part there in the scripture is that he touches on something and he says this too. He says, us Jews worship from experience. And I've been so stirred in my heart lately the last three or four weeks for this one question. And he says, how many of us know Jesus and how many of us have encountered Jesus? How many of us read the Bible because, for the sake of reading it? How many of us pray? The most sincere prayers, the most beautiful prayers, the most amazing prayers. But they, we pray because simply we feel that that is the right thing to do. That is maybe what God is calling you to do. How many of us stay in church? Because that's what we do on Sundays. How many of us attend Bible study? Because, well, it's just something to do during the week. And how many of us seek 
an encounter with Jesus. Jesus says to the Samaritan woman, you guys worship there because you don't want to worship where we're worshiping and we worship there because you don't believe this is the right place where we're worshiping. And Jesus says, a lot of us worship, the Jewish people worship out of experience, out of an encounter, out of a, out of a place where we are able to say, well, God is God. Why? Because so many of them had seen Jesus face to face. It's not that they heard about him. It's not that he was written about in a book. It's not that he was preached by some rabbi. They had experience and they had encountered. They had seen Jesus face to face. And I think many of us, we, we get so caught up in, in let's give my life to Jesus' gospel. And all we want to do is we just want to make sure that we're not going to burn in hell one day. We just want to make sure that, you know, if this world ends, we're going to be in a good place. But none of us move from that experience. It's saying this, Chantal and myself, like we decide, well, you know what, I need a wife. I am, I am 50 odd years old. I need a wife right now. I'm going to find myself a wife. And I find Chantal at the age of 50. And I say, well, I love you. We're going to get married right now. And we do the whole thing. That means I'm married. That means I am married. I've got a wife right now. Um, the two of us are one. Uh, we're legally bound to each other. All those things are falling into place. But until I encounter her intimately, until I encounter her face to face, until we have that moment where the two become one, we're just going to be married on paper. And it's the same with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you and I can have all the paperwork in order and we can download all the courses and we could have read the Bible from front to back, including the maps, and, and we could have attended every Bible course that's out there. We could have been every prayer meeting. But until we encounter Jesus, nothing is going to change in your life and in my life. The Samaritan woman, for, for I don't know how many years, they don't say her age, but she'd been married five times and she was living with a guy that wasn't even a husband. You must be thinking, jeepers, this woman, what a life. What a life. She'd been rejected by society. Why carry on? And yet she knew that she needed to worship. Yet she knew that she worshipped God of the Bible, that she worshipped Jehovah, that the only conflict she had was where they were worshipping. The Jews worshipped there, we worshipped here. But she knew him. But she had never encountered him. And that moment where Jesus encounters her at the well, everything in her life changed in an instant. Like this. Like that. This week I had to realize that. This week I found myself lost two weeks because she's so busy. Dealing with stuff and people and places and, and doing so much that I found myself having, doing the Jesus work, but never setting time aside because I was weary to encounter him again. And I want to encourage you this morning. When last have you encountered Jesus? When last have you, have you met with him face to face? When last have you heard his audible voice? You must say, oh good, but I've tried, you know, and I've tried with my Bible. Well, maybe sometimes you just need to learn to be quiet. Because Jesus will always meet you at your place of need. You see, I think so often we constantly tell him what we want and what he needs to do in our lives. But we don't understand that he will be there every step of the way in our lives. And maybe you've been weary. Maybe you've been this one. Maybe you're the best place you've ever been. And if you are, stay there. Stay there. Because I know one thing that when this woman encountered Jesus, the response, the natural response to her, and the natural response to be 
is to, is to when we encounter Jesus, when I, I remember when I just got saved, church, we were radically saved in an instant, like this woman was, radically saved in an instant, from going to church where I hated God, where I lost my daughter, where I, you know, I had no other, nothing else to do, the more I hated God, the more He loved me, that one day I just threw my arms up and said, you know what, I'm going to church today, I don't care what happens, but God, I just want you to know, I don't like you, um, you know what, I think you're an evil God that you killed my daughter. I was not at a place to meet him. But I'll tell you something, that when I answered that call to go to the front, and I fought it a thousand times, a thousand times. And when I got to the front there and I encountered, in terms of encountered Jesus, our lives were radically changed in an instance. The anger was gone. The bitter was gone. The frustration was gone. The temper that I used to have was gone. Not understanding God was, was gone out of my life. It's like I, I, I hit the floor one way and I woke up another way. And like the woman once said, and the only thing, the only thing that was between me hitting the floor and standing up, I met Jesus. And He changed my life forever. And I want to encourage you this morning, church. It's time to encounter the King. Yes, you're weary. Yes, you're disappointed. Yes, we don't know what's going to go on in this world. But Jesus is our hope. I want to leave just a few thoughts with you this morning in closing that I want you just to remember and to jot down. And firstly, I want to say this to you. Remember always that God is a promise keeper. The word says every promise that he has given us is yes and amen. And you need to write this down. God is a promise keeper. Put it on your wall. Put it in your cupboard. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He is a promise keeper. All right. Second thing we need to understand something. There's always going to be in his timing and in his way. We cannot force God to do anything and we cannot tell God how he needs to do things in our life. It will always be in his time and it will always be in his way that things get accomplished. And you need to make peace with that. That it's in his time and his way. Thirdly, I want to say this to you very quickly. Don't compromise and don't become impatient in a season you're in right now. Because God knows what he's doing. Whether it was meeting Peter and James at the boat, it was the perfect time. When he got to Lazarus, it was the perfect time. Where he got to Jairus' daughter, it was the perfect time. The day he walked down the street for that woman issue of blood, it was perfect timing. God's timing is always perfect in your life. Don't you become despondent in it. I want to say this to you fourthly. Learn to speak life over yourself. The word of God says, blessings and curses, I said before you, life and death, choose life. He says we speak blessings and curses, life and death out of the mouth. And you need to learn to speak life over you, life over your family, life over your finances, life over your business, life over every aspect of your life. And speak life over you. Because so many people hate themselves this morning and they hate each other and they hate their families and they hate the government and they hate everything. You speak life over you. The Word of God says that you have the ability to bless or to curse. And get to a place every morning where you're able to bless yourself with the love of God, every day that you can speak life over your family. I don't care how tough it is. I don't care how bad your marriage is. You speak life. You start to thank God prophetically every single day for what He's doing in your life. You see, I believe that every promise that God has given you has a purpose. And many of us aren't seeing the promises of God come to pass in our life because we don't understand the purpose for which we were designed, for which we were created. When you understand the purpose, Jesus had a purpose that he was born. Jesus knew that he would be resurrected, that he would die. 
on the cross, and he would be resurrected, then he would be with disciples again, and then he would descend to heaven. He knew his purpose. And so, because he knew his purpose, and he knew the journey that he was on, he knew that his father would not break one promise to him. You need to get to the place of understanding that every promise has a purpose, and you need to discover what that purpose is in your life. The promise that God gives you, or the promise that you believe that God gives you, has to line up with the Word of God. And I'll speak to you honestly today. You need to get into the Word of God and line up your promises. That God is not going to give you a word that's outside of His realm. God's not going to give you a word that's outside of the Word of God in your life. God's not going to tell you, well, you need to divorce this woman and marry that guy's wife. That does not line up. That's not a promise of God. There is a desire often that we have in our own lives. And so you need to distinguish between which is desire and which are the promises of God in my life. Same time I said, you don't give up. It's not over until God says it's over. It's not over until God says it's over. Number eight, be positive. Be positive at all times because even the promises of God are going to be tested in your life. Even the promises of God will be tested in your life. You see, when Abraham took Isaac to the top of the mountain, his son was called the son of promise. Abraham would be the father of many nations. 42 generations later, Jesus would come out of that lineage, out of Abraham and Isaac. They would come out of there. All the kings of the Bible would come out of that lineage. And you're going to understand something, that, 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 that God had to create and still in one man, Jesus had to be the seed. Jesus said, I was the seed of Abraham. And then when the, Jesus, the seed of Jesus hit the womb of Sarah, at 90 years old, she conceived. I will say to you, it's never too late to let the seed of Jesus hit that which is barren in your life. I, I, I prophesied to someone this morning, you might think you're barren. You might think that your workplace is barren. You might think that, that pregnancy is never going to happen. You might think that marriage is never going to happen to you. You might think that you'll never own your own business or you're never getting out of debt. I want to say to you that barrenness is not an issue to God because the minute the seed of Jesus hit the womb of Sarah, what happened? She conceived. What happened when the seed of Jesus hit a virgin by the name of Mary at the age of 15 or 13 years old? What happened? She conceived immediately. I want to say this to you this morning. I want to speak prophetically to life. That which you have declared is barren in your life will come alive if you allow the seed of Jesus to hit it. But the seed of Jesus only hit that barrenness when you spend time in His presence, when you spend time doing what God has called you to do. Be prepared to place whatever you have on the altar of worship. And what I mean by that, that sometimes I must be in the place where I say, Father, you know something? If my time is finished as pastor in this church, I need to move on. Because I know you have a bigger and a better plan for me. And same with you. Some of you are stuck in the same place right now because you're too terrified to move on. You're too terrified to place it on the altar. You're too terrified to say, well, God, here's my job. I'm just going to leave it on the altar. If I lose it, I lose it. And there's a reason. If I scan it, I gain it. If my marriage ends up and in divorce courts, so Father, you can even save it right in the divorce court. Even where the sheriff's at my door, Father, you can turn things around. And I want to leave those thoughts with you today. Don't grow weary in the season. Don't become despondent in the season. But allow the seed of Jesus to hit the barrenness in your life. Allow God to let every promise that He has given you to become a yes and an amen. In closing, once that woman had encountered Jesus at the well, the word said that she ran. Now, they, they reckon there were probably about close to 30,000 people living in the village at that time. She ran, this woman that was rejected. 
This woman that nobody mixed with, this woman that had been married five times and was living with a man, this woman that had to go draw water by herself every single day because of, of avoiding all the, the persecution. When she heard Jesus, she grabbed her stuff and she ran. And the word says that she went out to Samaria telling him about the Messiah and this man that she had met. You know what the word says? And that town was saved by the faith of that woman. Wow. Can a city be saved in a day? Yes, it can. Can God cause this virus to die in a day? Yes, he can. Can God cause your marriage to heal in a day? Yes, he can. Can God turn your business around? Yes, he can. Can God turn your relationship with him around? Yes, he can. Because he is God of the impossible. He is our promise keeper. So you find your promises. You stick them up on the wall. You start to seek God all in your heart. I don't want you to be a, a, some, a Christian that has heard of Jesus and got a ticket to heaven and avoiding hell. I want you to be the Christian that encounters him. I want you to be the change. I want you to be the woman that once you've met Jesus runs and gets down saved. Why? Because of the faith and the belief that she had in Jesus. And I trust that you have the same faith today in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Our Father, what would we be without you? Where would we be without you? You're just so faithful, you're so loving, you're so kind, you're just so merciful, Father. And Father, we want to repent this morning. I want to repent of the times where I've walked away from your presence because I just got too busy. Or I think I could do this thing on my own. Or Father, things look impossible and not even you could fix them. I repent of those thoughts that go through our heads. I repent of those thoughts of, of questioning why you haven't rocked up yet and why you haven't turned the world upside down and why you haven't healed yet. I will repent of the unbelief in my life. And I want to say today, Father, that I believe in you. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and rose again for my life. And I want to live a life that will be fulfilling to you, a life that is pleasing to you. But I pray that you do move compromise out of my life, out of every person's life that's listening here this morning, every person that is weary. May they learn to take a seat next to the, to the fountain of life, which is Jesus. And may they be refreshed. And may they drink living waters. And may everything in life turn around. And, and even after this broadcast, may we fall on our knees and thank you for who you are in our lives and what you brought us through and that you will still bring us through the impossible. And I want to honor you. I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, God. I pray that you will come. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I just want to share a prophetic word that God gave me last week, Sunday. And, and it was the story of Lazarus. And it was a story of you know, why would Jesus rock up late? And, and I believe this is for some, a few people this morning. And I want to touch on the fact where Jesus looks into the tomb, wants to open the tomb, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And, and I always uh, wondered, you know, why, why would he say, Lazarus, come forth? Why didn't just, hey, you know, come forth, kind of a thing. And a wise man once told me, he says, you've got to understand something, Kurt. That those tombs didn't hold one person. It was a rock, it was a, a, a hill that was caved out, and, uh, uh, hollowed out in like a cave. And they almost like these shelves where they buried multiple people in that grave. And so when Lazarus was in the tomb, you've got to understand something, he wasn't alone there. There were, there, I don't know, there were 5, 10, 15, 20 other people with him. The reason why Jesus called that Lazarus, because if Jesus said, arise, come out, all 20 would have come out. And I know this sounds crazy. But I believed last week, last week that God gave me a word in church and he said this, I want you to be specific about your prayer life. I don't want you to pray into the, into the tomb and just say, come forth. 
because there's some things that you will call forth that you don't want to see happen or manifest in your life. And I believe God is saying to a few of you today, be specific. Call out of the tomb that which you believe is dead, that is significant in your life. Call those things out, in your, out of the tomb that you need and desire to have life again. Not just everything, because sometimes we call out the bad with it. Today, learn to call out your, your, your problem by name, your desire by name, your purpose, your promise by name. And God said, when you call it by name, it will bring you life. And so bless you guys. Have a great week. Wednesday night, we've got the sound sorted, hopefully. Um, and we'll be doing another interview. And I really encourage you guys just to log on at Opera 7 and just to hear what God has to say to you. But bless you guys. Be safe out there. We love you. See you soon.